Who knows what Jay-Z, J.K. Rowling, Bill Gates and Oprah Winfrey all have in common? Okay, I will tell you then. They have all overcome failure in one shape or form to go on to gain success in their respective careers. Welcome to My Perfect Failure. Join us as we delve into the world of our perfect failures. We will interview, explore, and discuss how our perfect failures can lead us to success. Join us and tune in. Welcome to another edition of My Perfect Failure. Today, I have another amazing guest. This guest, she's worked previously as the VP of a corporate communications company. She's got over 20 years experience in corporate strategy. Following her career in her corporate career, she became the CEO of her consulting company, Creative Class Group, a joint venture with her husband. They have amazing clients such as BMW, Johnson & Johnson and Zappos, just to name a few. In addition, they also work with government bodies she also writes for several publications, including her column in Huffington Post, Your Startup Life. Additional publications include Fast Company, New York Times, Inc. Magazine. There were loads, I couldn't really name them all, but it'd be going on forever. She also contributes to media outlets such as CNN, MS, NBC, BBC. <laughs> so there's loads. Um, and also, she features on programs such as Morning America. And in 2013, she released her internationally acclaimed book, Upgrade, Taking Your Work from Ordinary to Extraordinary. So welcome to my perfect failure, Rana Florida. How are you? Good. Thanks, Paul. Thank you for having me. Wow. You, you've done so much. So congratulations on all that stuff and I know you're particularly busy today so I'm excited to sort of have a little bit of your time so so yeah so so I, I guess I gave a quite a detailed intro but uh, maybe you might want to give the listeners a little bit of a background on who you are. Sure thank you for the introduction very kind of you. Um, I think like a lot of people for most of our lives were brought up as children to get good grades, get on the right winning team, score the goal. And if we fail the class or if we don't do a great job at school, we don't get into school, we won't get a good job. If we don't get a good job, we'll be living at home with mom and dad for the rest of our lives or living on the street and everyone will know we're a failure. So we are set up from a very early age to believe that only success is rewarded, especially when it comes to school or work. Um, however, through my research and my work writing the book Upgrade, I learned that this is very unlike the way we learn and unlike the way entrepreneurs succeed. So I felt like after interviewing a wide range of people from not only corporate successful CEOs, but entrepreneurs and artists and chefs and celebrities and authors and sports stars that we all really need to reset our definition of failure. Yeah. So instead of looking at it as a setback or something we haven't been able to accomplish, um, really look at it as a learning and growth opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's totally the reason that I've put this podcast together because me included, I think there's this black and white definition we have of success failure if you do if you you know you succeed fantastic 
you know, pats on the back, wonderful. If you fell, doom and gloom, that's kind of like the end. And yeah. as I've navigated this sort of short but really enjoyable journey, I've realised that um, that isn't the case. And that's what led me to finding you and sort of to read some of the amazing stuff you've done, the articles and whatnot. So, yeah, so yeah, I totally agree. Um, so, so do you think there's a tendency for people to, to sort of, for the fear of failure, not to, so I guess, embrace taking risk? Well, I mean, absolutely, especially in the workplace. You know, a lot of us feel lucky to just be employed. So we keep our heads down. We try not to rock the boat, so to speak. We try not to shake the ground too much. Um, we're afraid of being looked at for silly or stupid ideas. We're afraid of getting laughed at. Uh, but I was at this conference once where um, my husband, Richard, as well as the speakers, spoke alongside um, President Bill Clinton. Uh, but before them was Steve Batiach, who was the manager of applied science at Microsoft. And he said he encourages his team to put forth silly or stupid mm -hmm. ideas um, because way back then, when the person who discovered the seatbelt came up with the idea, they were laughed at. And it's funny, he explains that, you know, ideas that seem silly or stupid at the time are only because they haven't had the correct way of looking at it from a time perspective. So now we can all look back and say, that wasn't a silly or stupid idea, but back in the day, it probably was. Hey, strap yourself into this car. Um, but it saved countless of lives, and that was considered a stupid idea. Um, I also talked to the founders of Warby Parker, the really successful eyeglass retailer, whose motto is buy a pair, give a pair to um, people in need. They said um, their corporate culture really tries to encourage silly or stupid ideas. Um, every Friday, they ask their employees to put forth these ideas on paper, and they can be anonymous if they think they're really silly. Um, and then they look at them, you know, each week, and they said one of their most successful revenue campaigns was a silly idea called Warby Barker, which was eyeglasses for dogs. So they got so much free marketing, so much free publicity, and this, the webpage is still up. Um, but again, it's another idea of thinking creative, thinking with your, your mind and your creativity versus trying to conform and keeping your head down. Yeah, that, that's interesting, actually, because I've worked in corporate businesses, not just corporate business, I've worked for startups as well. But there definitely is a tendency, particularly in, I think, in corporate companies that you don't, you sort of, you kind of feel a little bit intimidated about you know, having an idea that you just keep to yourself, maybe to a close friend, and you don't, you don't sort of air that. So th that that those stories are, you know, fantastic. Yeah. And so 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 you, your journey. So I, I sort of alluded to at the start. You worked for, a, you know, you worked in corporate corp, the corporate world. I did. Um, yeah. Go ahead. And and then you sort of made the brave decision to actually leave a successful corporate career to to go to, to you know you, your current company what was that process like for you because it's you know quite a brave and different situation yeah so you know you work your whole life and went to undergrad and graduate school and I finally landed an amazing corporate job that I really enjoyed doing it had the six-figure paycheck and the bonuses and it was a great work environment um, but when one day BMW called 
my husband's office, and he's a professor and a researcher, and said, we want to create an ad campaign around your work of the idea of the creative class. He thought it was an amazing opportunity for me to take my business and marketing background and pair it with his research and academic background and really launch what we now have um, for over 12 years, the Creative Class Group, a consulting and global advisory company um, working around the world. Um, but it was a big risk at the time. You know, I was leaving a steady paycheck and all the benefits that come with it in the office. And, um, and then personally, you know, we had just become engaged. So now we were going to work together and live together. How is this going to work out? Um, and I took the leap. And the first week I found myself, you know, I was my own HR department. I was my own graphic design department. I had to find my own legal help. There weren't all these departments that I, you know, was able to rely on. I was my own one-stop yeah. shop. And being an entrepreneur, you know, you're afraid of failure all the time. But I took that leap of faith and I took a huge risk. And I'm so glad that I did because our, our work has really taken off. And now we consult with mayors and governors and regions and cities and corporations, large and small around the world. Yeah, it's, and it's amazing. So you and you also, I guess, your quality of life because it's your business, you, it's your strategy. You get the, you know, there's the, the freedom you, you, that you have being it your business. That must be incredible to have that because in corporate land, you, I guess we have to conform to you know the strategy that that we buy into. Well, the corporate world also you have no time, you have no control of your time or schedule, which I found to be the most challenging. Um, so now not only do we get to put forth our own creativity and research and work, but you get to manage your own time and schedule, which I think is very important in this day and age, especially when you're balancing work and life and we have two small children. So having the luxury to do that is great. Yeah, ab ab absolutely. absolutely. And important as well, you know, spending time with children, watching them grow and put in putting your energies into their development you can't you can't buy that you can't put a price on that yeah, especially you know the formative years which are the first four years of your of their lives investing that time up front really has huge lasting effects on their personal growth and development so I mean I don't have you know I don't get to go to an office every day and sit at a desk and work in a peaceful situation you know I'll be working from the ballet studio or from my car or from the art class with the airpods in or my laptop on my lap but it's that freedom that you get to enjoy which is definitely worth it yeah and what's interesting listening to you i'm sure there are because i speak to people that you know they daily and and certainly since i've been doing this podcast people not just in the uk but from around the world that that want to have a different type of life but i guess there's a huge fear about taking that leap of faith but and it's yeah it's to fair, you just amazing people i mean at the end of the day you have to pay your rent and you have mm. a mortgage and you have expenses and you have to pay the car and the cell phone bill and healthcare. so i understand the fear for sure um but at the same time without risk and failure you end up being complacent you stay in the same place yeah ab ab absolutely so you know so listening to you i'm sure that definitely inspires me and i'm fairly emphatic to inspire other people so cr creativity so do you do you feel that 
creativity is important in in sort of business and just generally in life um absolutely i think without creativity there's no innovation no new discoveries um you know when i interviewed sir ken robinson who's the famous educator um he said he asked a scientist who won the nobel prize for chemistry how many of his experiments failed and he said most of them but failure isn't really the right word he explained that science is about finding out what doesn't work in the expectation of discovering what does and that trial and error is at the heart of the creative process so if we want to promote creativity and innovation we have to really honor and accept mistakes and that includes false starts and dead ends um yeah. and he also said sir winston churchill once said that success is the ability to go from one failure to the other with no loss of enthusiasm yeah yeah and it's that shift in mindset it's like how do we get that that's why i'm keen to do this just to change the narrative a little bit so people understand that success failure kind of interlinked sort of you know you yeah. have your you know, you have your sort of, I don't even like to call them failures, but, but I can't think of a better word, but you have those situations that don't work, but actually, you know, there's growth there. You learn, even with this podcast, I've definitely made mistakes and, you know, and, it, and you can, I kind of get there because I'm, what I'm studying, I understand as part of the journey. Mm -hmm. So your book, Upgrade, can you tell me about that? That sounds amazing. You've, I know there's a lot of work that went into that. You interviewed, had discussions with amazing people. Could you maybe expand on that a little bit for us? Yeah, so it started off, um, you know, when I took the leap of faith and launched the company with my husband, I really wanted to understand what made successful leaders, what made successful businesses, what made successful startups. So I set out to interview a wide range of people, as I mentioned, from CEOs to celebrities to artists to sports stars to scientists. Um, and I started writing this column for the Huffington Post called My Startup Life. And I quickly found after at least, you know, a dozen of these interviews, there were these themes across the board with most of these successful people. And, and they fell into these seven categories. Um, one of them was take risks and the other was uh, embrace failure as part of the learning process. So one of the folks I interviewed was Andre Agassi, the tennis star who's won a gazillion Grand Slams. Yes. Um, but he told me that success and failure are so often the result of outside factors, things that go beyond our control. So you need to keep your mind on the few things that you can control. He told me you need to learn to love the process, the work, and really to disconnect your ego from the results. And that the earlier you can learn this, the more peaceful and at peace you will be. And that's really the success. That's really the goal, wow. not success. Um, so he really says that he handles failure the same way he tackles su success by treating it as the illusion it is. Um, so that was interesting. Uh, and then I also interviewed Nelly Furtado, the Grammy award-winning singer. Um, and she said that failure is very important, that it's inevitable in life and that incredible growth and self-realization and reflection come from failure. So she said, you know, we really need to create a new definition of failure and embrace it as part of the learning process, but look at it as an opportunity to grow and reflect, reinvent, and ultimately push forward in a different direction. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. It must have been amazing to, to absorb all this information and just, you know, caboodle it together and then create, you know, a wonderful 
piece of work. I, I, know, I, I know that you interviewed Michelle Obama and Bill Clinton. So you, there was, you know, so, you know, wonderful, wonderful mind you're able to collaborate with for this book. Absolutely. Um, Bill Clinton was very interesting. It took me a year to get the answers from him, which wow. was which was so cool because you know most people that busy um, with that much work might hand it off to a PR person yeah. to answer the questions. But he took a year, and I was told he worked on it on the plane um, next to Chelsea when they were going off on a trip to Africa for the Clinton Foundation. Um, but one of the, and you know, his answers were not cookie cutter or recycled at all. Each answer was completely unique. And it was amazing to learn that he landed his first job when he was 13, working in a grocery store. Um, and the owner was so impressed with him and he allowed him to open a comic book stand. So from that day onward, he said he learned a valuable lesson that he could really support himself. Um, and that was a really important tip for him to learn as a leader that he could really, that knowledge really played a huge role in shaping his identity and building his confidence and that he really acquired the dignity, security, and sense of empowerment that comes with being able to support yourself and to have the strength and society to really go forward and become an entrepreneur. And this is at the age of 13 as a comic that's book incredible. in a grocery store. Yeah, that's incredible. And it shows you what we can, what we can glean from, you know, responsibility and opportunities, even at, and at the age of 13. So, Absolutely. and I, I guess as parents as well, actually, I'm not a parent actually, but I've got niece, nieces and nephews who are sort of, you know, will, you know, in the, next three or four years we'll get to that sort of age so that I'm, I'm sure their parents will be really interested to hit to listen to that point particularly absolutely and you something that i've that it, when i was researching for this that i noticed that you've mentioned as well is um sarah blakely who founded Spanx, who took who spoke about failures as a as a as a child, but I don't know if you, if you, can, if you can recall that. Maybe you might want to expand on that. Yeah, so um, when I read David Kidder's book, The Startup Playbook, um, he talked about Sarah Blakely. She is, I think, the only female startup entre billionaire entrepreneur um, who founded the undergarment company Spanx. Um, but she said she learned a very, very valuable lesson from her father when she was young that she would come home from school every day and her father would ask her what did you fail at today yeah. and you know most parents don't really encourage that from their children they'll say what did you have for your snack or who did you play with or what did you learn but he really ingrained in her from a very young age that failure was all part of the learning process and it encouraged her to try something new and it really embedded that idea of entrepreneurship into her dna from a very young age yeah, that's that's really interesting as well because having you know we've all been a child at some point and you know when you come home from school you fear talking about any type of failure that you might have for the fear of you know the the sort of the way that you internalize it and also you don't want to disappoint your parents. So it's interesting to 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 hear her story and the way that she's internalized that and used that as obviously unbelievable success in her career. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, we're sort of getting towards the end now. I've got a quick, 
question. I guess two more questions, actually. So one is around maybe three inspirational people that if you were having a dinner party, if there's three inspirational people you can think of that you might invite. Oh, well, that's an interesting one. Um, Michelle Obama was obviously very interesting to me. And she invited me to the South Lawn during her, um, during, for Earth Day when she did the Grow Garden for the elementary school children. Um, so she's a very interesting, inspirational leader. Of course, I think my husband, Richard Florida, who makes every dinner party more fun. <laughs> uh, he is the father of the creative class, so him thinking creative, creatively is very cool. Uh, and then, you know, I think our friend Frank Toskin, who I also interviewed for my column and for the book, he was uh, the co-founder of Mac Cosmetics, has a really interesting story. Um, you know, he worked in the makeup counter in New York City, for a long time, <clears throat> conforming to the typical standards of beauty. Um, you know, he said all of his staff had to wear lab coats, the white pristine lab coats, and look a certain way. Um, but when he launched Met Cosmetics, he really allowed his team and employees to really celebrate themselves and be creative and let their diversity shine through. So you know, he had drag queens working the front door at Matt Cosmetic at the, one of the first locations um, at Hudson and Christopher Street in New York City, which was the gay neighborhood. Um, he allowed piercings and tattoos. They, you know, didn't have to cover themselves up, but they could really celebrate who they were. And, <coughs> excuse me, that creativity really helped launch the brand into a global brand and really broke through the mold. No, that's, that's an amazing story because you don't hear that type of creativity these days. So it's wonderful to know that you can actually embrace that and really achieve great things. Absolutely. And f finally, I, I guess, you know, what we're trying to encourage here is people to be brave enough to, to not fear failure so, and failure and also be creative in the process. Which So would you have any any advice for listeners that are maybe sort of haven't quite found that sort of bravery sort of gene where they can sort of take that leap of faith? Absolutely. Um, when I interviewed Dan Pink, um, very best-selling author of the book Drive, um, I asked him, you know, how do you do this? Because, you know, how do you encourage people to go out and do this and find their passion and their creativity when you have real life issues like getting yeah. for a steady paycheck to deal with. And, you know, he always said, you really should look at what you're doing during your downtime to find your passion or your creativity. So see and analyze what it is that you really like doing when you have nothing else to do and then start to grow that passion or that creativity on the side. So, you know, you don't have to stop making income next week and give up everything, but you can, slowly ease into it and see if it can grow and, and and go up on a trajectory that'll help you sustain your livelihood and your cost of living over time it doesn't have to be abrupt actually that's really interesting so essentially you look at things that you just randomly do anyway and then you can and then you can pivot that maybe into an opportunity or a career Right. And these days, you know, you don't need a lot of startup costs or investment costs for physical space when, you know, or publicity when you have free marketing and, 
you know, you can launch a business off Instagram with yeah. no, with no capital um, and no investment. And you can see how you like it. You can see the failures and successes. You can see the pitfalls and you can do that during your downtime. So um, there are lots of ways to start a company or unleash your creativity or passion um, where you don't have to take a huge risk and compromise your quality of life, but you can ease into it and still take a risk. Okay, that's fantastic. I've, I've learned something there. So thank you for that. This great thing about doing this podcast is I learn from the wonderful guests that we have. So thank you. And uh, lastly, so where, if people want to learn more about you and certainly uh, look at purchasing your book, Upgrade, where, where's the best way for people to uh, contact you or, or, or find your book? Um, the book is easily available on Amazon and um, I'm at RanaFlorida.com. So you can feel free to connect with me at RanaCreativeClass.com. But I really value your time and congratulations on your new podcast. Thank you so much. And thank you for being a, a wonderful guest, as I knew you would be. And all that information I will put on the show notes. And thank you, everybody, for listening to My Perfect Failure today. Please look out for future episodes. You can get me on www.myperfectfailure.com. I'm also on Pads MPF. That's my Instagram. And Twitter is failure underscore perfect. So thank you once again, Rana, and have a fantastic day. Thanks, Paul. Take care. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to My Perfect Failure podcast. Be sure to visit www.myperfectfailure.com to join the conversation. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Look out for our next episode.